Hey, hello everybody. I'm your host, Felipe Melicio, and this is the Total Basis Podcast, talking some fantasy baseball and just baseball life in general here at the Baseball Life Facebook group. With me is an in relief of Sean Flannery is Mr. Leon Tompkins. Leon, how are you doing this uh, morning, afternoon? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, you know, glad to come in in the uh, clutch and, you know, help you out. And just, uh, you know, I'm doing pretty well watching the Nationals game here. Yeah, for those who don't Great know. To against the Orioles. Is that why you're wearing the Orioles shirt there? Yeah, they've been kicking our ass all weekend, so I figured I might as well just wear the shirt. <laughs> Yeah, the Orioles uh, are not as bad as I thought they would be right now. Um, they've uh, they've shown some uh, some gusto of sorts. Uh, they're not world beaters, but uh, they're not pushovers either. Is that is that is that a fair assessment of the Orioles this year? Yeah, it's a pretty fair assessment. Their starting pitching has been a much better than I expected. Um, I knew their lineup would hit, but their their pitching is for some reason like all worldly. So. I can't explain that one. Uh, just, I, you know, it's um, any fantasy baseball podcast I do at like in the middle of winter. Uh, and once I get to the Orioles, you know, to help me get ready for the uh, fantasy baseball season that's upcoming, I get to the Baltimore Orioles and it's like the most depressing thing I could ever do is looking at that roster because they're just so God awful. Uh, I mean, I know I remember Sean and I talked about the Orioles and uh, how they have some nice young hitters coming up and blah, blah, blah. But then you look at them, and it's like, man, no, they suck and they're nowhere near ready. How can their farm system be this bad? But, you know, jokes on me. They uh, they're holding on to their own. Uh, um, they're trying to play some respectable baseball. So props to them for not being pushovers. Yeah, um, I expected three easy wins, and I'm getting, like, uh, cold sweats. So. <laughs> how are uh, – for those who don't know, Leon is a big uh, Washington Nationals fan. Uh, how how are the Nationals doing this year? Uh, they lost the last two to the Orioles and then one before oh, – no, they lost three straight because they lost a series ended to the Mets uh, with Porcello. I think they're four and seven, so it's a rough go. Max got hurt. Strasburg came back today, so hopefully he can put this uh, losing streak to a stop and get these get these guys going. Oh man, good to uh, have Juan Soto back in the lineup, though. So that's that's good. Yeah, Juan Soto is actually in uh, in our ba- in my baseball life uh, league, and. Uh, yeah, my team is just uh, it's just not as strong without him, so I'm glad that he's back. Uh, and as uh, you know, something I've been meaning to talk to you about getting back to your fandom as a Nationals fan. Uh, how does it feel to be a World Series champion or to root for the defending World Champs? Um, you know, it, it feels good. It's kind of a weird year, um, not having a ring ceremony with the with no, with no fans, and then having all the Astros scandal deflect from the fact that the Nationals actually won the World Series. So you can't kind of, kind of can't celebrate it because nobody really cares. But uh, otherwise, you know, it, it feels pretty good. Uh, I know what happened. Washington, D.C. knows it happened. So I, I get to walk around with a shirt saying I'm a world champion. So it's cool. And I, I you probably answered this question already, but I think you live in New York, right? How did mm-hmm. you become a Nationals fan? Uh, I was a big Expo fan with the, you know, the Montreal Expos before they moved to Washington. Uh, but why the Expos, though? 
Vladimir Guerrero. <laughs> That's that easy, huh? That, that easy. Uh, I used to watch them when they face off against the Mets at Shea. And this Vlad stole the show on the field. He was the best player on the field to throw some right field, hitting balls in the dirt. I said to myself, I have to watch more of them. And I did, and I fell in love with the Expos and, you know, Deidre, Orlando Cabrera, that group. And I, I followed all of them. I didn't follow Guerrero to L.A., but I, I just liked the whole Expos vibe. I was I was able to pick up on it and switch over to Nationals. A lot of doom and gloom. And... Uh, no, now it's a, now it's a champ. So it, it it's pretty exciting. That's an interesting franchise right there. Even as a kid growing up, by watching the Expos, I thought it was weird that number one, it's a Canadian team. Number two, it's a French Canadian team, uh, and everything about them is just so weird and 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 funky looking. Um, but that's yeah. part of the uh, appeal, though, right? Even Expos fans who actually live in Montreal will tell you about that. How uh, how funny it is uh, that th it's a very unique team, a unique franchise, unique town, and that's part of the allure, right? Is it, it, that's part of the appeal is that they're so unique in that in that respect, and and the players uh, they they fall in love with playing with the Montreal Expos. Uh, maybe maybe it's not the best baseball facility, maybe it's not the best uh, uh, run franchise. It's, I mean, they they moved, they moved to, they had to relocate because it was such a poorly run franchise, but. Right. But at, at its peak, uh, you know, they, they always did very well with player evaluations. They did it in the uh, 80s with Andre Dawson, Tim Raines. They did it in the 90s with Larry Walker uh, uh, and Pedro Martinez on the, on the latter half of the stages there. Dennis Martinez. Anybody named Martinez is going to do well with that Expos team and, uh, at pitching, right? And, and I remember Vladimir Guerrero as well. And you're right about it. I mean, he was... He was the player to watch, uh, even on, as a Cubs fan. I, I couldn't help but just be a, uh, in admiration of him, you know. So, I mean, that, that's a hell of a team to root for. But so it's pretty interesting that you have two teams in New York. You decide that, no, I'm going to root for this Vladimir Guerrero guy up in Montreal, Canada. <laughs> but anyway. Uh... Yeah, I, I wanted no part of the Mets. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> Even Mets fans don't want part of the Mets, man. Come on. <laughs> Speaking of Mets fans, look who it is. It's Jacob Anthony Moses. He's telling me to tell you to screw the Nationals and Expos. Oh, he can kiss the ring. Kiss the ring. Yeah, that's right. Take that, Jacob. Your uh, fellow podcast mate over at the uh, Ball is Life uh, Facebook group. We're talking some hoops over there. Uh, go ahead and tell people. Plug your show over there at, at Ball is Life, please. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we catch us Wednesday nights. Uh, Bowers Life Group, Step Back. Uh, my main man, Jacob Moses, you know, we uh, talk hoops over there. Been set with the restart. You know, it's uh, a pretty awesome show. Not in Bowers Life. Join, which let you right on in. But we catch us Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock. Step Back. And uh, you recently had Aaron, uh, our. Uh, administrator from Canada. We just talked about Canada, and she's a big Toronto Blue Jays fan. Yeah, so th that was the last episode. You she guys was great. To, yeah, she was really fun uh, talking about Canadian hoops and what was it? She was. Uh, I, what was? It? I think she made the. Um, there was like there was some comparison that she made that kind of had me scratching my head. But I, I basically it came down to it sounding her like 
she was comparing Kyle Lowry to Patrick Ewing or something, or I don't remember exactly how that no, went. No. It, 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 it was Kyle Lowry to uh, pretty much Vince Carter couldn't make the shot that Kawhi made, but Kyle mm-hmm. Lowry is, yeah, more or less what, what Patrick Ewing would have a statue outside of the, uh, the garden if he ever won a championship. So Kyle Lowry is the man in Toronto. <laughs> No, I've always liked Kyle Lowry, though, but that's another uh, topic for another podcast for sure. Um, fantasy baseball, let's get to it. Uh, how long have you been playing fantasy baseball, Leon? Go tell the folks over there. Uh, I've been playing ever since uh, my senior year of high school. So I guess that's, what, 18 years? Yeah. So I've been doing it for a while, uh, won a few leagues, uh, Win some money, but you know I, I've been doing it for a while. It's it's really fun getting to know the players and watch the games. It's just expanded so much uh, over time. Yeah, I think same with me. I think that's when I started. Uh, we finally got a computer back in the year two thousand after begging my dad for one. And the first thing I did was play fantasy sports. Uh, my first draft pick ever, Leon, in in any format, Michael Finley, first round. I was so proud of myself. Yeah, my team sucked. For, I, I think I went winless for like the first uh, few games or so. But I made a run of it, got to fourth place. I thought, like, hey, this isn't too bad. And it, I've been on that ever since. So I, I, it's like we, we kind of have similar uh, background there. Uh, what, what is your preferred scoring format? Do you do Roto? Do you do points? I know you mentioned you're in a daily league uh, head-to-head. But is that, I mean, Roto or points? Well, I would prefer points. But uh, it's because I run, my friend runs a daily head-to-head league. So it's kind of, sometimes you kind of find it difficult to remember to set your lineup each day. So sometimes I try to set it during the week. But um, points or roto, either way is fine. Um, I wanted to do a dynasty, but I haven't got around to it yet. And this, this year is really hard to start doing it. So I might start next year. Yeah, hopefully uh, for you next year. And if uh, hey, if we ever have a spot uh, open uh, uh, in our fantasy baseball league, uh, I'll definitely uh, consider you. I know there's like a, a waiting list to get in that in that one, but uh, you'll you'll uh, you'll be considered as a top candidate. I'm also in a keeper league too, so I'll definitely consider you as well. That's not uh, actually I'm not even in a dynasty. They're both keeper leagues, I should say. They're two keeper leagues, but you know, okay. once once points, once categories. They're both head to head. But yeah, man, if, uh, we constantly have people falling out. So we have to find replacement players, and uh, good to know. I, I, I honestly, when I think about you, I think about basketball because of the, of the podcast. But uh, good to right. know that you also do fantasy baseball because I, I wasn't 100% sure. Oh, oh no, I, I, I do it all. You do it all? Even hockey? I, um, I, I did hockey for a bit, and then I kind of fell out of it with yeah. everything going on, and then I, I kind of I follow it, but not enough to – you know, do fantasy hockey, I'd just be throwing shit in the wind. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Well, uh, we could talk about our, our my uh, early endeavors into fantasy hockey way, way back in the day. But I think I'm just like you. It's like they had the multiple lockouts during the 2000s. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's just like, all right, well, let me know when you all want to take this seriously because uh, I can't keep waiting for you guys to get your shit together. And apparently they're doing well now, but, I mean, it's still the same arguments about hockey are the same arguments I used to uh, 
discuss back then. On, on, it's funny because you have an AOL uh, email account. And back when I was on AOL chats, yeah. uh, that was one of the big arguments was, well, hockey's so cool, but nobody's watching it. And it's the same goddamn arguments to this day, Leon. Hockey's so cool, but nobody's watching. The ratings are always so bad um, in terms of TV. No one's paying attention, blah, 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 blah. So that's another story for another time. Anyway, people are here to watch some... Uh, People, uh, sorry, I just uh, got flustered there. Uh, can you hear me now, Leon? I, I think you, you're saying, yeah, we're good? Okay. Yep. Sorry about that. Sometimes the internet comes and it goes. But let's get going. We're going to be here to talk about some fantasy baseball, and I'll go ahead and share the first spreadsheet because that is the thing I do here. Just give you guys a visual. And what's the thing that everybody's trying to look for? We're always trying to find starting pitching help, right? And uh, Leon, let, you let me know if you can see that or not, please. I have a black screen. All right. Just uh, give it a few seconds. But as I was talking about, uh, that seems to be like the big thing is like we're always looking for fantasy baseball starting pitching help. Always, constantly. It never ends. I'm going to stop sharing and reshare yeah. again. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk about it since uh, we came uh, We came back from uh, from my, what do you call it, my my paternity leave of sorts. So I decided we should take some time to talk about it now um, and see if we can help those people out there who are in need of fantasy baseball starting pitching help, which is, uh, I don't know about you, Leon, but that seems to be, for me, it's always like a never-ending quest. Like, who am I going to start this week, right? And, oh, I, and uh, can you tell me if you can see that screen, yes or no? I can see it. Okay, because I can't see it on my You're end. It's like, like throws on my phone or something. So, go ahead. Yeah, and, and usually with the starting pitching help, uh, so me in particular, uh, I draft a bit differently than I, I guess most people because I, I usually draft pitchers early based on, I always had the theory that starting pitching, your aces will always come out with the same numbers yeah. and you can find hitting anywhere else in any uh, particular uh, position that you would need. So I don't usually try to, uh, I usually don't have the issue of finding pitching elsewhere unless I suffer an injury. But in this case, in, in, during this season with such, uh, you know, all the teams getting suspended and, and whatnot, it's very hard to get a consistent lineup yeah, the injuries are adding up. Uh, everybody has a forearm strain. Everybody has elbow tenderness. Or, and if not, there's that dreaded COVID virus that just seems to be getting everybody and everything. So it, I feel like this season more than ever, it's like you constantly have to look at the waiver wire for help at all times, right? It's like you, you're constantly looking. Uh, and that's what I see myself doing. That's why I, I compiled this little list. It's not the most impressive list, but it's a list nonetheless of uh, more than likely available players um, out there. Um, I mean, you got uh, you got Pablo Lopez from the Marlins, who I, I liked a lot last year, but then he got hurt last year. He's back, uh, finally getting around to his first start because of the uh, Marlins partying too much. Uh, we don't know where exactly, but they've been partying too much. Uh, but he finally got his debut in this past week. Uh, a very strong performance from him. Numbers-wise, he seems to be at the top of the list. I mean, 12 strikeouts for nine innings, that's pretty damn good. 
but we don't know. That's just one game, right? We don't know how good he could be. We know, uh, we know what his baseline is based on last year, but we don't know if he can be this dominant for the rest of the season. What do you think about Pablo Lopez, uh, your Marlins uh, uh, division rival right there? So Pablo Lopez, I, I, I did like him toward the end of last year. I thought he would come on strong uh, this year along with the rest of that Marlin pitching staff, although they pitched contact, although his K rate seems to be higher than more than the rest of the Marlin staff, you look at what he would face in the division, such as the Braves, the Nationals, and even across the way in the AL East, uh, the Red Sox and the Orioles and whatnot. Um, if you're looking for I, I think he would be a, a decent guy to pick up. You, you know he's going to give you two starts a week if you need it, um, as long as the team doesn't have another outbreak. But uh, I, I like Pablo Lopez over there uh, for the Marlins. Yeah, I like him too, but I didn't pick him up this week uh, just because I, I want to see more of him. Although, you know, this I, I would strongly suggest if you have the room for him to go ahead and pick him up. I think he's worth it. Uh, he's shown that he can right. hold him his own last year, and uh, he's off to a rip-roaring start this year. Another guy that's uh, listed here, and not, we're not going to go through the whole list. We're just going to see some guys here that are kind of uh, worth uh, maybe looking at. It's Framber Valdez of the Astros. Uh, it looks like he's going to uh, be getting all the starts that he can handle for the Houston Astros as that that team's just decimated with injuries right now. And, and it's um, – yeah, they need all the arms, all the healthy arms they can get at this point. The only concern that I have for him is that he has very low swinging strike percentages, which uh, for a guy of his stature, I would like to see it be higher. Like, a, look at Pablo Lopez. I mean, it's only one start for Pablo Lopez, but last I checked, Correct. 16% is way better than 6.8%. And I, I, I need that number to be a little bit higher for me to trust him. Plus, he gets, he gets hit hard. As you can see, 60% hard hit rate. Uh, and again, these are all the numbers I get from Fangraphs, so they're not the StatCast numbers that uh, Sean Flannery likes to share. Uh, but uh, I figure, you know, this is this. I feel comfortable using these uh, figures because you get you get the uh, results, uh, you get the results stats along with the uh, underlying stats that you know that uh, com that compiles a, a player's uh, uh, persona or, or uh, characteristic of sorts. But, uh, yeah, Valdez, intriguing guy, but there's something uh, off about him. He gets hit hard. He, gets, uh, he doesn't miss a lot of bats, uh, as uh, you can see here from his outside the swing rate, 18.3%. No one's biting, uh, uh, Leon. No. no one's biting at all. What do you think about Fran Bell Valdez of the Astros? Uh, this, this is a pitcher I would avoid. Uh, so due to the opponents he would face when they used to use well, the Rockies, the surprising Colorado Rockies, um, all potent lineups, low swing and miss rate. Uh, they don't chase disciplined lineups. And any pitching staff with Dusty Baker in it, I would definitely avoid. <laughs> oh, but he's changed, Leon. He's changed. That's what everybody tells me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, the, the toothpick just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> but yeah, Val Valdez is a, is a guy I would definitely avoid here. Uh, really quick, I forgot to mention that at the very least, I know for sure Garrett Richards and Tyler Mayo, uh, they are two start pitchers this upcoming week. I immediately picked up Tyler Mayo in my uh, in my points league because uh, he gets the two starts against 
two very easy opponents. I know it's the Pirates is one of them, and I forgot who the first game is. Uh, but I remember looking at it, it's like, wow, I can't believe no one has picked this guy up. And uh, he seems to be on the up and up. Uh, then look, look at the strikeout rate. Uh, K per nine, I should say, is at nine. Uh, again, doesn't get a lot of swings outside the strike zone. As you can see, it's a lot better than Frambero Valdez. But I like to see that to be a little bit better than 29%, getting guys to chase. Uh, has not mm -hmm. given up a home run yet, uh, which is remarkable considering that uh, I mean, at least his home run for nine is zero, which is remarkable because his home games are at Cincinnati, which is a, a home run derby always waiting to happen there. Uh, of the two, Garrett Richards or Tyler Mayle, uh, who do you see as a better long-term uh, prospect there for this year? I would say Tyler Mayle. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I think he has a chance to break into that rotation. Uh, you know, Di Scafani, I think he – I'm not sure if he got hurt. But uh, yeah. no, he no he picked, yeah. And uh, so I think he has a really solid chance to take his place. And you know, with the with the teams such as the Cardinals and and the Cubs, I, I think he'll have a pretty decent chance to really make make some hay uh, in in that in that division. Hay in the middle of the barn. Yeah, I've always liked Gary Richards. But uh, he's always hurt, and he mm -hmm. has two really tough matchups. So one is against the Dodgers this week. The other one is against the Diamondbacks and Madison Bumgarner. I don't, not that Bumgarner is a threat like he used to be, but you know it's still Madison Bumgarner, and I don't want any part of that this week. Um, if you're desperate for those two starts, you know you want the quantity over the quality. Go ahead and uh, pick him up. Uh, he does. He's always an intriguing guy because he could, he he has the stuff. He's like he's the stat cast darling. But man, it's like. I don't know what's holding him back from putting it together and just being the dominant pitcher that his uh, that his uh, scouting report says that he should be. You know, uh, Leon, uh, any pitcher from this list that we haven't mentioned that you want to talk about here? Uh, I will say the best long-term uh, solutions from this list. I would say Porcello, uh, a veteran. I, I think he just needs some time to get his uh, game in. Uh, a sinker ball pitcher usually works better with a, a fatigued arm. And he showed promise in his last outing, albeit against the Nationals. Uh, he went to six, seven innings solid. And uh, Tony Malone, he also saw flashes last year, but his changeup to be again this year. A solid outing on Friday night. Uh, he picked up an 11 nothing win also against Washington, but his changeup seems to be on point uh, this year. And I, I think he is the one pitcher from the Orioles, I think, who might last. Yeah, I, I noticed that the Orioles are encouraging a lot of changeups from their starting pitchers this year. I, I forgot who it was that I, I was watching against the Red Sox. And I think it might have been Tommy Malone, who's just throwing nothing but changeups and just uh, flabbergasting Red Sox hitters. And Red Sox have a pretty potent lineup, even though they're kind of decimated from years of uh, – you know, no more Mookie bets on that team, but they still, uh, you know, they still can hold their own. And he's out there throwing 86 yeah. mile per hour fastballs and 85 mile per hour changeups, and it's just ridiculous. But uh, so far, you can't uh, argue with the results. I mean, 1.14 WHIP. Which is, if you're in a mm -hmm. five by five rotisserie league, that's always important. Respectable ERA at 3.21. So I don't trust them, but you know, if the matchups are right, I don't see why you. You, you don't you don't start him at, especially for you you weren't you're in a daily league I'm pretty sure if you see him facing a team like oh I don't know 
be pirates, for example. Uh, you're all over that, aren't you? Oh, oh. I'm a believer in tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're in a daily league. You got to be a believer in daily in matchups. So. And that's the starting pitchers right there. Uh, not not a very impressive list, but this is the part of the of the season where we're like, especially in a league like this, uh, um, in a abbreviated 2020 season like this, uh, the pickings are always going to be slim. So you got to do what's best uh, with the lot that you get. When life hands you when when fantasy baseball hands you lemons, you make a lemonade out of it, you know. So that takes care of one aspect of things. Something else that I wanted to do uh, was talk about first base help. Uh, I made a big stink about picking up Dominic Smith in all of my leagues last week, uh, Leon. There he is, Dominic Smith. And, uh, you know, I, I find out that maybe he's not the guy after all. I don't know. I had to really uh, reevaluate things. And he's not, you know, he's not having that bad of a season, but it's not, it's not good either. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I think... Dominic Smith was a uh, a victim of Cespedes. I think he needed the time to, to get the ABs, to get the timing. I always thought he was a dangerous hitter. Uh, once, as you see this week, he's, he's starting to pick it up a bit. Uh, now that you know he's the DH, full-time DH, uh, I think he's a solid pickup. Yeah. Uh, and He's I not been picked up already. Yeah, like I said, I picked him up in all my leagues, but I'm like, you know, I need more. I need more for my first baseman. You know, I, I you know, it's like, I'm kind of desperate. I, I, and this is what I get for not taking that position too seriously because I thought it went 20 deep, and it turns out no, it's, it's, um, if you miss out on those first eight or nine guys, you're kind of scrambling. That's what I'm doing right now in all of my leagues. And I thought I thought Dominic Smith would uh, do a lot better this. Uh, and, and like you said, he is doing a little bit better this past week, but, you know, I, I need more. And uh, I went out and started looking for other first basemen. Um, and let's see here. Let's, uh, let's, let's sort this by hard hit rate just to see who's been hitting the, the, the cover off the ball. And there's this guy named Jake Cronenworth from the Padres um, who's kind of starting to get some at-bats because Eric Hosmer is injured. I went out and picked him mm -hmm. up in all of my leagues just because, you know, it, it, his story is kind of intriguing. You know, he, he, uh, they're saying that he worked – during the pandemic, while, when baseball was shut down, he continued working very hard, and that was enough to impress the Padres. And now they're saying that once Hosmer comes back, he's going to get regular at-bats at second base. He already qualifies at shortstop. If you, if you haven't been listening to my podcast, uh, Leon, uh, on a regular basis, you'll know I'm a sucker for versatility. You play, like, six positions. I want you on my team, you know? So I went out and picked him up. But I still, you know, I still need a, a – a formidable first baseman because I don't know about this Dominic Smith guy. I, I just don't know what to think about. I believe in him, but I'm desperate. So aside from Dominic Smith and Jake Cronenworth, do any of these other guys right here, do they do anything for you whatsoever? I would say Aguilar. Uh, now, that Marlins lineup, it's a bit weird to me because they hit the ball hard but they also strike out a lot. Uh, I thought it was a big loss for Alfaro, but Savelli seems to not have missed a beat. Uh, I'm a big fan of Corey Dickerson, and the, the way their lineup is set up, I, I think Aguilar has, has a chance to really uh, rack up some numbers. 
So, and, and you know he's going to get regular red bad. So I, I'm, I'm a big believer in Jesus Aguilar. Yeah, and that's what I ended up doing for us. I think uh, – I don't know if I did it for all three of my teams or not, but I definitely did it for two of my teams. And I just went ahead and picked up Jesus Aguilar, despite the fact that I think he's only playing five games this week, which is really stupid, unless uh, that's an old schedule I'm looking at. But, you know, knowing – how this season is zany. Maybe he is only playing five games in an abbreviated season. But so far, there's a lot to like about here. I mean, I, I just highlighted the walks and strikeouts. I mean, that's that's pretty damn respectable to not strike out that much and be able to work those counts and get that 8.1% walk rate for a guy who's a, an aggressive swinger. Uh, that's kind of intriguing yeah. to me. He's off to a great start. He doesn't chase pitches. He's only at 32.5% uh, of outside the swing rate. Go ahead and highlight that there. Um, so I like him a lot. Um, if I had the space for Dominic Smith, I, I put him on my bench, but I don't have the space for Dominic Smith. Uh, another guy, Renato Nunez. Um, he's always kind of uh, lurking on the waiver wire. I mean, you, you're taking a, you're getting a firsthand look at him. What, what do you think of Renato Nunez so far? I remember a bit of him from last year, and. When I looked at his numbers at the end, I I wondered how he ended up with 30 home runs. And, I mean, he swings hard. And then I I think he's a a viable option. And then, you know, I never know what to expect from this Orioles team as far as, you know, how the lineup is constructed, how how many opportunities will he get. And so far, this Baltimore team has surprised me. So... Uh, he has respectable numbers. I, I like Nunez as well. If he's available, which I doubt, but you know, he's available. <laughs> I, I I pick him too. No, he, he's always available, man. No, nobody really likes him, and this is a little concerning. Fifteen point six percent. Excuse me, fifteen point six yeah. swinging strike rate, uh, which is you know he he's a hacker. But yeah, you know you can't argue with the results. I highlighted the results right here in green. Uh, the batting average, the on base percentage, it's pretty high up there. I mean. He's used. He's he can be useful in leagues, but again, he's plays with the Orioles. Not a very well-known player. Uh, there's a lot to prove with him, but I think uh, if if you're desperate, you could do a lot worse. You can end up with Todd Frazier or CJ Crone or whatnot. So, um, yeah. Any, and, any, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I wouldn't touch Todd Frazier or CJ Crone with a ten-foot pole. <laughs> I actually have CJ Crone in my in in the. Uh, fantasy baseball life group uh, league. Uh, but I, uh, I benched them recently, but every time I want to cut them, it's like, well, there's nobody else that's better because that, that league is so, uh, that, that league runs deep. I think we all each have uh, 33 players on the roster because, and I, we, ex- Sean and I expanded the rosters because of COVID and yeah, the uh, pickings are slim on the waiver wire as, uh, as it should be. Anybody else you want to discuss on this first base list, Leon? Uh, Jock Peterson, you know, I, I, I think he, he suffers from not enough at-bats. Yeah. I, I think he'd be a solid player if he just ever got consistent time. Uh, you know, it sucks for fancy purposes, but, you know, and uh, Daniel Murphy. Um, I'm a big Murphy guy. He was, he was for Washington. Um, it's nice to see his resurgence a bit in Colorado. Um, and plus he's, with his versatility, I think he's still second base eligible. I'm not 100% sure on that. I didn't see him at second base, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he, uh, 
he gets moved a lot. I mean, he's one of those guys yeah. For, yeah, from the mid-2010s that teams are like, hey, you know what? If we move this guy over here and over there, you know, we, we have a super utility. Everybody's trying to be – everybody's trying to always look for that next Ben Zobersley, and that's what I'm trying to say. And I think he was one of those guys yeah. at, at one point um, in, in his tenure, in his long story career. Uh, yeah, I mean, playing in Colorado, that that's always helpful. Uh, and I believe the Rockies are also hurting a little bit. Uh, I know – I forgot who they lost. That, uh, you know what? I'm thinking about Ian Desmond, who already opted out anyway, so it doesn't matter. Right. He, he should be getting regular at bats at this point. All right. Well, that's uh, that's good enough for the first base. And uh, let's move on to middle infielder as we're uh, actually moving along rather quickly. Any comments worth uh, noting over there, Leon, from the people out there? Uh, Larry, my my good friend uh, Larry Rodriguez, saying that he goes uh. He subscribes to the same theory that I do as far as drafts, as far as going after pitchers early. Wow. Uh, yeah, and he made a point to say Castellanos is really killing it early. Yeah, oh, man. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. <sighs> Don't even get me started, man. Um, first and foremost, let me know if you can see the next uh, spreadsheet that I'm about to share here. But second of all, I, you know, as you guys know, I'm a, or some of you know, that I'm a big Cubs and White Sox fan. And uh, I really wanted uh, Castellanos to come back uh, to the Cubs. And if not the Cubs, I really, really wanted him to uh, at least go with the White Sox. And instead, he goes to Cincinnati, which breaks my heart because. As I tell Matt Bushnell and all the White Sox fans out there, it's like we could really use a Nick Castellanos right now uh, playing in our lineup every day. So, You know, I, I considered Castellanos like, I wouldn't say a poor man's Rendon, but, you know, he, he always had a lot of doubles. He went to the opposite field well. Yeah. And his power – got uh, improved a bit in Chicago for the Cubs. Um, I was surprised he wasn't chased after more by uh, more teams. So uh, I'm a big Castellanos fan. And in that red lineup, in that ballpark, I mean, he's going to put up his numbers. He should be. I mean, it's a perfect situation for the guy. I mean, and, and, and I, yeah, once again, I'm experiencing some technical difficulties trying to share that next spreadsheet. I don't know why it won't let me share it. But uh, since we're talking about Castellanos, let's take a moment, give the Zoom a break from doing all this fancy work from us. Uh, like, he's a good clubhouse guy, is what I found out in his time here. Uh, he's very emotional. He treats every single day like opening day, is what we found out about him, which is pretty admirable because most guys, they get to this part of, uh, of the big leagues, uh, of their careers. And it's just, it becomes a job, naturally, right? It's a job. They get paid to do a job, right? And he treats it like like it's the first day of his uh, of his new life, you know, being a baseball player. Like he takes his, uh, he still has that uh, kid mentality about it. And, and that goes a long way, you know, um, especially in a right. season like this where it's unpredictable. And, yeah, I, I, like I said, I was pretty sad that he, uh, he couldn't stay in Chicago one way or another. I know he loves the city. Uh, he admitted as much uh, when he was still here. And that um, yeah, just sucks that he went to a division rival in Cincinnati, and now they get to, uh, what do you call it, um, reap the benefits of taking a chance on him. And like you said, I don't know why other teams 
uh, weren't looking. Maybe other teams were content with their outfield situation. I know everybody, right. all these teams are trying to go cheaper and younger, and Castellanos is already entering his 30s. So let's try this one more time. I'm going to try something else. Let's see if this works. And um, no, I don't know why it's not doing it. Wait, I see something. Oh, oh okay. there, there it goes. Okay. That was weird. I don't know why I kept doing that. But anyway, here is uh, – we move on to the next uh, list here, and this is the uh, the list of second base and shortstops that are, are somewhat available in uh, fantasy leagues. Uh, again, there's that man, Jake Cronenworth, who uh, I'm kind of uh, intrigued by it. I already told you some backstory about him. Let's uh, sort this. Oh, yeah, it is sorted by weighted runs created plus – so anything above 100 is always good. So let's go back to that. So weighted runs created plus, right? Anything above 100 is pretty damn good. Anything below 100 is below average. So below average are guys like Jonathan Scope, Andres Jimenez, Ryan McMahon, who Ryan McMahon surprises me that he's not above 100, probably because he gets penalized for batting at Coors Field, but he's also not having a really good season, as you can yeah. see from his uh, percentages here. And I'll go ahead and highlight that there. And Ahmed Rosario, who's just – a very frustrating player to watch because I think the world of him, I've always liked him. I, I took a chance on him in my, uh, in my keeper league. And it's like, he's not putting it together. Shed long, another former, we just talked about the reds. This guy's a former reds prospect got traded to the Mariners a while back ago. And uh, I think the only reason he gets, uh, he gets a lot of love is look at that 65 plate appearances. So what, what, what I say earlier today, Leon showing up is half the battle. So this guy shows up and people are trying yep. to bank. And three stolen bases always help. So that's the only reason he has a job. But me, I don't care about that. Like, I, I need you to produce for me, man. I, I don't want you. I don't want these fringe players. And finally, Nick, Nico Horner of the Cubs, who has a lot of good uh, hitting tools, but it's just not scaring anybody. So with that being said, all those guys with the less than 100%. Here's a challenge for you now. Less than 100%, uh, what do you call it? Uh, weighted runs created plus. Who do you like from this blue highlighted list? to kind of turn things around in this abbreviated season this year. Ooh. Get, yeah. Getting the pick from Storm. Um, <laughs> you know, it, I have a soft spot for Rosario because I, I you, you look at him and, you like you say, it's frustrating. You know the tools are there. He ended last season strong, but his defense keeps him off the field. Uh, and then you look at uh, his replacement, uh, Jimenez, you know, he has some tools, but he, he, I don't think he'll be here long enough to really exploit those tools. Yeah. So if I had to pick anyone, it would be Scope. Uh, I, I look at the veteran. He, you see the, what he did with the Orioles, what he did with the Twins. You know he has power, and that Tigers lineup is, you know, Tigers lineup. I, I go based off track record alone with scope. He's getting 52 plate appearance already. He's going to play. I mean, they need to showcase him because I think yeah. they're going to want to trade him. Um, he has decent counting stats, three home runs, eight runs, uh, eight RBI, which if you're in a traditional five by five league, that's all you can ask for from your second baseman. But if you're like in a non-base percentage league, like I am, first of all, no walks whatsoever, just like Rosario, 0% no, walk rates. He will never walk. No, no, I yeah, I know he doesn't walk. But, but you know, when you have a, a, a like Rosario and Scope, uh, they they supposedly have like very quick uh, bat speed, right? And that's what right. that's part of the intrigue. 
but un unlike Rosario, who doesn't strike out a lot, this guy's scope, 28.8%. Um, that That's deadly right there for any league. I know if you're in a traditional 5x5, five five, you don't really care, but it affects your batting average, and you're not, and that means you're not putting the ball in place, so you're not... You can't get on base and score runs or even steal bases. So, yeah, it, it's um, it's a double whammy for him. And he's he does just enough to be relevant, Jonathan Scope does. But there's a lot to <laughs> not like about him either. What were you going to say? I think I, I butted in yeah. uh, right there with you. No, no, it, it, it makes perfect sense because with his lineup, he figures he had to do all the work, which is a track record anyway. And you made the excellent point of veteran showcase – you might as well put up his numbers. Yeah, and uh, with everybody, you know, injuries are everywhere. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if, uh, if a team contending is desperate enough to give up a prospect, uh, maybe not a high-grade prospect, but a mid-to-low-level prospect for Jonathan Scope uh, just because he could play second base. Uh, and, you know, he does provide those counting stats, you know. Like, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. But look how impatient this guy is. 52.6% outside the swing strike uh, outside the strike zone swing rate that he literally every other pitch if it's outside the strike zone he's swinging he's chasing so <laughs> so that's pretty funny uh i like nico horner and not just because i'm a cubs fan but you know i'm not wearing the right shirt today but you know uh <laughs> but there's something intriguing about him too because uh i, I know the numbers are not there but he limits his strikeouts he walks enough where you're kind of hmm there's something going on here uh very patient hitter and 83.9 percent contact 71 percent outside the strike zone contact the the, the the hitting skills are there right it's just you know can he well i mean can he hit with authority though that's the question i mean look at 6.4 percent swinging strike he's very patient and, and there's some promise 39 percent hard hit rate so there's some promise here leon but can he really hit the ball with authority and be productive? That's the thing about him. And he qualifies at both second base and shortstop. Again, versatility matters in this realm. And like I said, it is impressive, but it's like, all right, well, we know what you can do. Can you actually go out and be productive? That's the thing about him. So we talked about Jake Cronenworth already, so that, that's a given. It, it, listen, yeah. you got to pick him up right now. Just while you're listening to me talk, Go on your uh, ESPN, Yahoo, Sportsline, Fantrax, whatever, and go pick up Jake Cronenworth. I think he's worth it. He's going to be eligible at second base. He's already eligible at shortstop. He's eligible at first base. Uh, the Padres are in love with him. There's a lot of, uh, you know, minor red flags, but I think he's worth the price of admission. Go ahead and pick him up. Uh, anybody else from this grouping right here that you're kind of uh, wondering if you should pick him up right now or not? Dansby Swanson is, is a guy that, uh, along with like Rosario, always intrigued me. Yeah, he hits the ball hard, but he, you know, he kind of he's a streaky hitter. He gets all of his counting stats in bunches. Yep. You can pick him up for two weeks; he'll be hot, and then struggle for the next three. So you, you kind of want on like a uh, it's really a roll of the dice with him. I mean, look at this, um, Leon. 37.7 strikeout rate. I mean, you talk yeah. about streakiness. This is streaky right here. Impressive counting stats, and then, pfft, like, no, I don't want that. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a he great – He's the type of – Go ahead. He is the type – I'm saying he is the type of guy that, like, depending on the week, he can win you a championship. If you get him at the right time. 
when is the right time though with him? That's the thing. I thought, you know, I picked him up last week. Uh, Sean even like encouraged me to pick him up last week. And sure enough, the first game uh, of this week three period strikes out three times. I'm like, oh, well, there goes my week. I mean, this has been a crappy week for me, but having Dansby Swanson uh, helped me, did not help me whatsoever. Um, let's take a look at here. Uh, yeah, 49.4% swinging percentage. So every other pitch that he sees, he's swinging at it. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's up with him. Like you said, he's he came in with all the tools, with all... Uh, first round pick, right? He was a first round pick for the Braves. Yeah. I don't uh, get it. Diamondbacks. Oh, that's right. He got traded to the Braves, right? But yeah. I think that's what happened. And the uh, I forgot what deal that was. I think Dave Stewart was a part of was a general manager still, right? Under Tony Larusa's yeah, uh, tutelage. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was a pitcher. I, I forgot the pitcher's name. The Shelby Miller that came back as well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Shelby Miller. The Shelby. Oh God, what the hell were they thinking? But, like you said, I mean, this is why we are very intrigued by uh, Dansby Swanson. 54.3%. When he actually does make contact, he, he's the opposite of uh, Nico Horner. He actually hit, drives the ball, right? Yeah. When he makes he's contact. Hard. When he When he makes contact. Like, but that's the question. When does he make contact? And this is, this is a, a deal breaker for me. I can't do it anymore. That's, you know, I'm in a points league. That's negative points. I can't, I can't afford that. But uh, but if you're in a 5x5 five five traditional roto, you don't care about strikeouts. You, all you care is about these double digits right here. And the three stolen bases, Leon. Look at that. I didn't – Yeah. I would have never guessed. Um, me neither. You still there, Leon? I, I lost you. Yep, there I'm, I'm still. No, I'm still here. All right. What were you saying there? I, I don't know if it was me or if it was you, but can you repeat yourself one more time, please? Um. Oh no, it's cool. Uh, I was saying that Braves lineup, Swanson moves up and down that lineup, and since the lineup is so potent, you know the opportunities are there. Yeah. It's just a matter of, like you say, when does he make contact? No, I mean it's frustrating because he's a former first-round pick. He has all the tools. He comes with such high pedigree, and it's like. What more do you need? I mean, yeah, maybe not getting a consistent, uh, not being in, uh, uh, in the order consistently, like, you know, batting second every day or batting, I'll even take seventh every day if, it, if it'll make him feel more comfortable. But, um, right. yeah, you know, I don't, I don't usually play in 5 by 5 roto leagues, so I got to account for all these other things. And the on-base percentage is the other one that I account for because I, I usually am in leagues that I account for on-base percentage. 311, mm -hmm. I mean – Decent band from Nebraska, but this is not a good on-base percentage whatsoever, 311. So no. amber is the color of his energy right here. and uh, It's red, but I'll, I, that's as close as I'm going to get to what I think amber looks like. Uh, Lori Garcia is another guy that's kind of intriguing. I never liked the guy, but he's getting regular at-bats because the White Sox are just decimated by injuries. He appears to be having a really good year, 352 on-base percentage. Uh, which is pretty damn good for him. Doesn't strike out too much. Walks enough to be respectable. Uh, so, and he qualifies everywhere. He plays, I mean, you talk about utility guy. This is your utility guy who just kind of uh, stumbled upon all these uh, extra plate appearances because of uh, of injuries. So, 
Nick Madrigal is out. Tim Anderson has a groin injury, so he might. I don't know how much longer he's going to get regular at bats, but while he does have these regular at bats, you might as well take advantage and see what he can do. He he's in a pretty potent White Sox lineup, so he might be worth the price of admission. I mean, you could do a lot worse. You can have Jose Iglesias. Are you a believer of Jose Iglesias this year, uh, Leon? Uh, I'm not, but he kicked the Nationals' ass on Friday, so he's going to make me a believer. <laughs> There's another guy who has not walked yet. You know, that's another game we could play. Who is going to walk first uh, between Jose Iglesias? Uh, let me, you know what, let me color this a little bit differently. There you go. Between Jose Iglesias, Dylan Moore, or uh, Ahmed Rosario? Who's going who's gonna to walk first at this point? You know what? I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Rosario, and he'll be the last one to take that bat before when he gets to walk. So, <laughs> Out of those three, I'm going to say Rosario. I'm going to go with Iglesias. I'm going to go with Iglesias. I, I, I just call it a hunch, but I think he's due for a walk. Uh, I picked up Wilmer Flores in a lot of my leagues. I, I'm pretty high on him. He's playing for the Giants this year. Uh, already has three home runs. Uh, eight RBI as uh, the Giants have been kind of a surprise as well. They, they, they're not a, they don't look as bad as they did last year. Uh, so, yeah, the numbers are impressive. And uh, I think he's already in midseason form. So he seems, yep. he appears to be the safest choice of the bunch here at second base. I mean, he's hitting the ball with such authority 51.1% hard hit rate, uh, taking advantage of the, of the big time gaps out there in San Francisco, I believe. So, and the best thing about Flores, he doesn't, his swinging strike percentage is pretty damn low. So he can hit the ball with authority and not always chase. Uh, for that big swing. So, uh, thoughts on Wilmer Flores over there, Leon? Uh, watched a lot of him uh, when he was with the Mets. You know, quality bench player. I always thought he needed more at bats to get going. Yeah. Uh, when he went to Arizona, thought he would get the ABs, but he never really did. So, I'm, I'm glad he's finally getting a shot here in San Francisco. Uh, you just worry about if he's the type of player that with more at bats does he get exposed. So, uh, so far he looks pretty good, but I, I, I think with his track record, I, I think Flores, is, like you say, the safe bet. Yeah, I think he'll be fine because I, I think his floor is high enough where you could be like, you know what, I could do worse at second base. I could do a lot worse. Uh, so, yeah, safe floor, safe, uh, you know, and while he's hitting this hot, you might as well, you know, put up, plug him in your lineup and take advantage. And, you know, now you have a second baseman. At least that's Absolutely. what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for in my league. So and that takes care of middle infielder, unless you want to talk about any of these other guys I have not highlighted yet. Nah, Freddie Galvis, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm done with him, too. I'm just – what was it thinking? Then you have stolen bases. That's <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's a, that's a stick every year. <laughs> We have uh, one more spreadsheet to share as uh, we're actually making pretty good time. Uh, we might be done. Uh, with, the goal, Leon, as you know, is always to get it within the hour. Yeah. I think we're about to hit that mark if, uh, you know, Zoom could just cooperate with me a little bit. But in the meantime, I'm yeah. just going to get it ready. Uh, any uh, random thoughts on your end about uh, this fantasy baseball season so far? How, how's your team doing, I guess I should ask? Well, uh, I drafted Yelich first, and that appears to be like a 
huge mistake right now. Uh, you know, Jelic, I'm pretty sure he's going to get going. I drafted Strasburg. He made his start today. He got shelled by the Orioles. That's, you know, you, you're always as a fantasy and real-life fan try to differentiate the two, but it's so damn hard. You know, I drafted Stanton and he goes in the injured list. The year was, you know, rising. It's burning in flames. I have both uh, Christian Yelich and Steven Strasburg in my keeper league. This is a keeper league I've been a part of for like the last 20 years, um, almost 20 years. Uh, pretty, like, actually, yeah, maybe when you were 18 years old, that's when I started my league. So, um, and uh, yeah, Yelich is starting to come around slowly but surely. But And uh, I put in Steven Strasburg in my lineup for this upcoming week. I might decide to bench him after what you just told me. This is not good news for me, Leon. I don't like what I, I don't like what I just heard from you right now about Steven Strasburg. I wasn't aware that he was getting his ass kicked should, today. Should I, should I said spoiler alert. <laughs> well, it sucks for me though because I don't have any other better options. I've been, I mean, I, I've been decimated with injuries in, in that league as well. Noah Syndergaard, Tim Anderson, uh, Hunter Dozier. Uh, I've cut so many guys. I've cut Ken Giles already. I, I mean, I don't know. My team in that league is just uh, surviving on duct tape and, and super glue at this point. So I, I did not need that yeah, bit of news. Flex tape. Uh, usually it's supposed to fix everything, but right now uh, we're really running and running low. Uh, and, and the problem with this season, again, with so many teams missing games due to COVID, you, you really don't have any options and you got to stick with these guys much longer than you would like. Yeah, you have to uh, you have to make a judgment call eventually. Uh, usually, in a longer season, you have a little bit more time to uh, make those decisions. But now it's like it, you know what it is, Leon. It's it's like football season, right? You, you have to make yeah. these uh, cut or keep decisions at, at a much more compact rate than what you're used to. But it's no different than what you do in football season uh, with fantasy football. You only have what 12, 13, 14 weeks to make these decisions because uh, you only have four months of a season. So, you know, is uh, the running back who you drafted first overall pick, how long do you trust him before you decide to cut him? I think this is the same mentality that, that fantasy leaguers in baseball have to have to make that adjustment adjustment, and start kind of thinking in that, in that manner. Uh, would you agree that it's similar to fantasy football right here? Uh, I would agree. The running backs are the most fickle position because – one, they get the highest uh, injury percentage rate, yeah. as well as you can always pick up a usually pick up a running back later on in the season that just flashed up out of nowhere. And the problem is, uh, the other people in the league have the same thought. So <laughs> uh, it, it, it's always where you are on the waiver wire. When do you use your waiver claim? These type of things that always uh, always come into play. Yeah. And uh, I know in my Fantrax League, uh, I, Sean and I, we, we did not raise the limit to how many ad drops we can have on a given week. We just kept it at seven, despite the fact – wait, no, I'm, was it seven or ten? I, I think it was ten, despite the fact that COVID is just kind of decimating us. And honestly, I, it's only been three weeks, but I've used up, I've used up all 30 of my transaction limits. 
so far. Just be, just because everybody's hurt, uh, mm-hmm. not every everybody's off to a slow start. Uh, you know, I you just kind of have to keep plugging and playing and, and until something sticks. So hopefully it sticks sooner rather than later. Because, like I said, we're we're gonna go into week four, and you know, the season's gonna end in about mm-hmm. a month from now, uh, a month yeah. and a half from now. So things to consider here. Last. Last spreadsheet I'm going to share, and it's about relief pitchers. I know relief pitchers boring, right? But I'm a, I don't know about you, but I love, <laughs> absolutely love talking about relief pitchers because it's such a niche uh, category of discussion in terms of fantasy baseball. Uh, because if you're not closing games and getting saves, then what good are you, right? You're not that good. Or, right. But at the same time, if you're, if you're in a league like I am where you account for holds, you're looking at those guys or if uh, – also, I even in, in, in traditional right. five-by-five leagues, especially in head-to-head categories, I've used relief pitchers to kind of uh, help me with the whips and ERAs right here. You know, because mm-hmm. a dominant relief pitcher, even though they're not getting saves, they're going to get, what, a, a whip of – a good whip of below 1.00 and a, even – hell, even an ERA below 1.00. So it's kind of – you know, if you get a good one, that those can uh, yeah. keep your percentages up and running um, in those categories. Uh, well, let's get your, let me get your general thoughts on relief pitchers. Uh, how do you use them? When do you use them? Uh, do you go the same route that I do, or do you strictly just go after closers? What's your thoughts on that? So in my league, we do have holds. So uh, those setup men are essential. And my theory is I always grab a lefty. Um, if it's not the primary setup man, I always grab a lefty because they're Always gonna, they're always gonna get the opportunity for a hold. Uh, so I, I picked up Justin Wilson. Uh, I mean, the Mets won't win many games, but any game they have a lead, Justin Wilson's gonna be in there. Uh, as far as drafting closers, um, you know, you always work with the tier uh, closer tier. Uh, Chapman top, and then you get to secondary where you know the wins are there, but any opportunities. Um, I'm a big believer in Kalame uh, from the White Sox. Uh, yeah. He really came on a few years ago. But I, I usually draft him in the middle rounds, uh, like the 10 to 15 range. That's pretty interesting because – let me ask you something. Did you – were you like everybody else and had – it sounds like you didn't, but I just want to make sure with you. Like most of the cheat sheets coming into this year had Josh Hader as a number one relief pitcher and Chapman was number two and number three. I refuse to do that. I I think I just heard you say that I put Chapman at the very top of the list and then maybe I put Hader at number two, number three. Did you do the same thing? Uh, how did you have your relief rankings uh, in, at the very top? Yeah, so mine, mine is a, mine's a bit weird. Uh, my closers I, I base not only on uh, one, I base on a team and the amount of opportunity. So Although Hader is really good and he can pick up the case, I don't I, – so Chapman is one. Um, I, I guess Hader would be two, but for me, he would probably be three or four. Um, you look at a guy like uh, – well, Jansen probably would have been years ago number two um, because the Dodgers are going to rack up so many wins. Um, you look out at Oakland – and you look out at uh, the Padres, uh, 
Kirby Yates. So Yates was probably in that second tier, but Colome and, and uh, I had very high Daniel Hudson. I had high before the starters went, uh, got injured, but I, I had Chapman as one. This, I don't know if you, I, I just switched uh, spreadsheets because now we're talking about <laughs> like one of my favorite subjects and that's like, you know, how do you rank players for your fantasy baseball drafts? And this is what my list looked like. I guess I did have Hater at number two, but honestly, mm-hmm. I, I, if I didn't have to draft Josh Hader, I'd, I'd avoid it because I honestly believe that all these other guys behind him, these are supposedly, that's a depth chart for, uh, for the Brewers coming into this season. It's so damn good. I mean, Brent Sutter is yeah. a pretty decent relief pitcher. David Phelps, Ray Black, Corey Knievel, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns can come in there. And then you still have one guy uh, who was coming back from injury, and I can't remember the guys. Oh, it was Knievel, sorry. So there's a lot of options in Milwaukee. And then Milwaukee, you know, Josh Hader's left-handed. They might decide to say, well, we need you in the seventh inning right now. So go in there and shut it down in the seventh inning, and then we'll get someone else to pick up the saves. So – I don't trust him, but you know who I do right. trust is Aroldis Chapman at number one because even though they have all these really good relief pitchers out here, the Zach Brittons of the world and Tommy Conley's, there's no dispute as to who the number one closer is on that team unless he's injured. None. And when healthy, he's None. it, like you mentioned. And same thing with Kirby Yates. But my philosophy is I usually wait around the middle tier like the 10th or 15th spot and maybe even number nine, which I did because I picked mm-hmm. up Ken Giles in all my team in all my leagues. But I wait until like this, this big fat middle portion to really start looking for my closers. Yeah. And this year, my, right. the guy I kept chasing was Hector Neris. He's on all, I drafted him in all my leagues just because him and Ken Giles actually, just because I figured, well, for the, for the right price, for the position that they're being drafted, this seems to be the best value and the best uh, fit for my team. And so far, Hector Neris has been pretty good once he came back from uh, injury, from the injury league list. So, uh, so is that kind of like a similar – I know you mentioned Colome, but is that kind of like similar yeah. to what you do? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's very similar. You know, save opportunities if they're there. Um, despite despite the haters' uh, number of save opportunities, his K percentage is just through the roof. So where you, where you have to put him higher than your – your average closer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's more or less the same. Uh, really quick. Uh, yeah, see, the, the Royals, right? I only, I did yeah. not trust the Royals situation. I only had Ian Kennedy and Scott Barlow, and I'm like, I am avoiding that like like the plague. I don't want any anything to do with the Royals this year. So I, I did not draft any Royals relief pitchers. Um, but I'm mentioning the Royals because – as we go on to the next, the last spreadsheet of the day, I promise. As uh, we're talking about the Royals, a new closer shows up out of nowhere. It's the same as the old closer, and that's Trevin Rosenthal, who I forgot that Mike Matheny is now uh, managing the Royals with Jesus. And I know you kind of, ooh, at the, at, I don't know if that was a good side or a bad side, but uh, he's getting... What do you call it? He's getting. Oh, uh, I just realized you can't see the screen. Sorry about that. Let me try that again. But getting back to to Rosenthal and the Royals, he's getting the opportunities, and Matheny 
seems to trust them with that, with, with the ball. Uh, and I picked them up immediately in all my leagues last night uh, while I was trying to do some prep work for this, uh, this podcast episode. And uh, like you mentioned, I, I heard you kind of scoff and sigh at the, at the mention of me mentioning Trevor Rosenthal. What, what's going on over there? No, I, I just remember him from last year, uh, just walking guy after guy after guy. And to hear that he is getting save opportunities again for a team is just, it's mind boggling to me. Um, I mean, good for him. He throws a hundred. He didn't know what the hell was going last year. So nice to see he's back on track. I mean, brother, I think, yeah, fastball velocity. He leads all of these closers at 97.8%. So the, the velocity is there. The dominance is there. 16.8 strikeout rate. That's pretty damn high. Uh, even for, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not as high as, uh, what, K- Caleb Ferguson at 20%, but, or even Tyler yeah. Clifford. Who thought that Tyler Clifford would still be dominant after all these years as a relief, as a reliever? But getting back to Rosenthal, I mean, like I said, he's back with Mike Matheny. Uh, there's rapport there. He seems to have his confidence back. As I mentioned last week with Sean uh, Leon, I'm, like the first few weeks or so of this season so far, it's I'm not even looking at who's closing. I'm not I'm not uh, jumping the shark or, or going overboard, chasing after saves. But when I see a guy like Rosenthal getting three quick saves, this fast, and he's dominant like this, you'd be I'd be stupid not to pick him up. And same thing with everybody else. I mean, if you're seeing this and you're seeing me highlight Trevor Rosenthal. You might be too late because everybody's starving for those saves. And, and it's not just like, oh, and, and, and you know what? And the Royals are not very good. They're, if they're going to win, they're going to win one run or two run games. That's a save opportunity for Rosenthal. Matheny's old school like that. He doesn't believe that you know, the closer is a closer because he's a closer ninth inning guy. That's Rosenthal. If we are to believe the, the trends in Kansas City. So I know, because he was with the Nationals uh, for the last couple of years, right? Yeah. If I remember, I know you're a little bit traumatized. Yeah. I know you're a little bit traumatized, but that I at least convince you to consider tra- picking up Trevor Rosenthal on your team. I mean, a closer for a bad team is paramount for fantasy leagues. You know, he, he can get you two to three saves, uh, rack up a few Ks. It's better than having a guy in flux. Mm-hmm. You know what you're going to get, even if you know that the opportunities are scarce. So uh, it'd be stupid not to at least take a chance on Rosenthal, uh, knowing that he picked up three quick saves. Yeah, and it's like the same thing we talked about last week about uh, Joe Jimenez, uh, who also leads, I think he was a league leader in saves as of last week uh, when we were airing or something to that effect. And it's and I told Sean, well, it's the same thing I said at the beginning of the season back in the winter. You gotta love Joe Jimenez because number one, he's the undisputed closer. Number two, he plays on a really crappy Detroit Tigers team who's only gonna win by two or three runs, even though they've kind of been exploding for offense. But that's neither here nor there. But you gotta you gotta take that you gotta take that chance. And he's pretty decent. I mean, you could do a lot worse than him. And I yeah. know the Tigers and it's Joe Jimenez. It's an unknown commodity. But you you gotta take a risk. On these bad, uh, uh, on these bad teams with the really good relief pitchers, because sometimes that's the difference between winning and losing, especially in a category like saves. So, I'm a big fan of Trevor Rosenthal. I think I'm turning Leon around just a little bit. So, go ahead and pick him up right now. 
right. he's a, a must-have. I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm plugging him in on all, in all my leagues as an active starter right now. All three of my leagues, he's, he's a starter for me on my team. So, because I'm desperate. I need those saves and I need those points. So, uh, speaking of three quick <laughs> saves, uh, Jairo Diaz of the Colorado Rockies. I never know what the Rockies are up to. Uh, but he also picked up three saves this past week. Not as dominant as Rosenthal has been this past week. But uh, do you trust Jairo Diaz uh, moving forward here? Um, me, no. I, then again, I don't trust that Rockies team to really keep up what they're doing. So, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're looking for, say, you need for a shortened season to steal a couple of weeks, why not? Uh, if you have a player, you know, injured or uh, you were on the fringe with anyway, you, you need the category, you're not really helping you. Yes, we couldn't hurt. This is the one uh, position where I can really afford to play with my roster. It's not like a position player or, or uh, starting pitcher. Um, the relief pitchers, I, I can move around need be. That's a really good point. Yeah, he kind of, it's like you, you're kind of obligated to take a chance on him as well, but me, I didn't. I, I, I didn't have the room. So right. it had to be, for me, it was one or the other. And I and I, I just, I, at Rose, Trevor Rosenthal, the way he's pitching right now, is everything I look for in a relief pitcher, let alone a closer. So um, so I had to. Jairo Diaz, there's a lot of things that I didn't like about him, as uh, I've highlighted a few things. Um, the 4.57 uh, XFIP, which uh, accounts for league average home runs. He has not given up a home run so far this year which is kind of a red flag, especially for a Rockies pitcher, because you kind of expect it. Yeah. Uh, the 1.35 whip is not very endearing either. Um, so that's kind of a red flag. Like, why is it so high if he's supposed to be this dominant? But he does, he's not very dominant. He doesn't even have over 10 strikeouts per nine inning, as I'm highlighting there in red, or whatever that color is, maroon, rouge, I don't know. And uh, the other thing I don't like is that, unlike Rosenthal, who's at 38.5%, uh, what do you call it, uh, outside the strike zone swing rate, Diaz is only at 30%, which for a closer, I'd like to see that be closer to 40% than 30%. So lots of red flags, but hey, the name of the game is opportunity. You're in a traditional five-by-five league. You gotta, you're, you're obligated to pick up Diaz as well. Uh, anybody from this list that you kind of like uh, here? I, I highlighted TJ McFarlane because he leads the, this little, little list in holds, and I know you mentioned holds earlier. But anybody else, including right. TJ McFarlane, that you want to talk about here? Uh, you know, Joaquin Soria is a guy that, you know, he usually goes back and forth from setup to closing, the setup to closing. And, you know, he's been a dominant closer before. And I look at the Oakland days as a team, as a high win team, uh, to where if he can, you know, go a couple of weeks, pick up a few saves, he might just roll into that closer role and we go into a closer role in Oakland, you bound to pick up uh, uh they can pick up a victory for you right there. Um plus you have to track record as a closer. Yeah. Uh it doesn't hurt. Uh Tyler Clippard, uh, another guy, long time closer, long time setup man that change up doesn't get old. Uh another high win team with the Minnesota Twins. Uh if he's available, you he's also a high strikeout guy. Um, and I've been a Clippard fan 
answering the goggles in DC. So um, I'll ask for uh, Clifford. Yeah, uh, that's another guy uh, you mentioned uh, that he's going to definitely get the opportunity to get, get the hold uh, for whatever team he's playing on just because uh, he's so reliable. And I did highlight the fact that uh, this, the velocity isn't there. 89 mile per hour, right. four seam fastball, 88.6 mile per hour sinker. Uh, but you mentioned his bread and butter is uh, is a changeup, which is usually uh, a relief pitcher's secondary or tertiary pitch. For him, it's his, it sounds like it's his primary pitch. And I mean, you can't argue with the yep. swinging strike rate. I mean, he's not getting the strikeouts, but you can't argue with him missing bats so or, or forcing strikes right. on, uh, on hitters. So that's something to consider. Uh, doesn't hurt that he has a pretty low ERA as well. So yeah, that's not a bad. That that wouldn't be a bad pickup, especially if you're in a whole sleep. Uh, only other guy I wanted to talk about was uh, I guess it would be Caleb Ferguson, who's kind of been he's kind of intriguing to me. Uh, the holes is there. He's getting the holes with the Dodgers. The, uh, the strikeouts are there. He has not walked a single guy this season so far. Uh, the home runs uh, for nine innings is kind of a red flag. So mark that in red. But let's take a look here at the velocity, 95.9% uh, 95.9 miles per hour uh, fastball from a left-hander. That's, I believe he's left-handed, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. That's, that's crucial. And unfortunately he plays for the Dodgers. So he's not going to get a lot of save opportunities with Kenley Jansen at the back end, who personally, yeah. I think it's time for Jansen to just like give up that role a little bit, but I guess he's kind of used to uh, being the ninth inning guy. And like you mentioned before, experience is so invaluable in those situations. So I guess, but it's some, it's just like, I've been locked. I've been watching uh, his velocity numbers just keep dropping and dropping. And it's like, eventually that's going to catch up to him, but I'll give him credit. Yeah. He adjusts. I mean, you've seen them firsthand. I remember uh, them playing the nationals and we literally saw him in a division uh, division playoff round. We literally saw Kenley Jansen pitch Two, get a two-inning save for the first time in his life during the playoffs. And that should tell you yeah. all you need to know about Kenley Jansen and what he's made out of. So uh, those are those are intangibles we keep talking about, right? Right. But this yeah. other thing – go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you. Oh, oh no. That's cool. You were mentioning Ferguson's uh, – didn't walk anyone, but it's had a high uh, home run rate. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was going to – uh, compare it to Scherzer, uh, yeah. you know, he has a low walk rate, but he just challenges so many hitters and you have a high velocity fastball. You more or less tend to give up more home runs. But uh, if you're in love with Ferguson, I, I mean, I, I don't see really, I don't, don't see much of an issue, but um, he's definitely there for the hold. Yeah, for sure. And I, that's an excellent point you bring up on Max Scherzer because that's another one where, like, oh, man, I, that, what is wrong with him? He gives up too many home runs. Like, hey, everybody, everybody's giving up home runs. I mean, the balls are juiced, let's face it. And so uh, with starters, it's not that big of a deal for me. But with closers, it, it is kind of uh, sketchy because it's it, like a starting pitcher has this many innings, right, one through seven at most to kind of correct himself with those home runs. A relief pitcher only has that small window uh, to be in there and be productive. And if the first thing you're doing is giving up a home run per nine innings or per inning, I should say, uh, that, that, I mean, that raises your ERA. That raises, uh, what, maybe your whip a little bit because now you're, now you're kind of flustered and your pitch count goes up and you're supposed to be in there for only maybe nine pitches because you, you're, you're thinking that this guy's going to strike out everybody that he sees. And 
yeah, it becomes a problem. But Ferguson has uh, adjusted pretty well so far this year. He's always been a pretty good uh, relief pitcher. Uh, doesn't get a lot of fantasy love because who cares about holds, right, unless you're in that niche league. So there's that. Before we end the show, uh, anybody else you want to talk about from this list? Uh, you know, I'm amazed Petit has been sticking around this long, uh, really remade his career. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, went from starter to setup man to closer, back to relief. Back to closing. I mean, a jack of all trades. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with uh, Petit. No walks issued so far this year. Respectable enough strikeout per nine. I mean, you want it to be higher than eight point one zero, but all things considered, especially the way Petit is made up, uh, that's pretty remarkable, uh, in my view. One point zero five who whip. So yeah, man, he's holding on. He's holding his own. I, smoke and mirrors is how he does it. I mean, doesn't. Doesn't induce yeah. a lot of uh, outside this. Well, it's kind of similar to Tyler Clifford. So yeah, he does induce a lot of swings, just like Clifford. And, I, and I'm putting him, matching him up with Clifford because he also does not have much of a fastball. But you know, he's doing it with uh, smoke and mirrors. Uh, probably has a nice changeup and a lot of movement on his secondary. What what's supposed to be a secondary and tertiary pitches? I can't confirm enough because I don't want to look it up because we're nearing the end of the show. <laughs> but. Uh, he is a pitch-to-contact relief pitcher, which is always a concern for me uh, because I want I want my pitch, my relief pitchers to just blow the competition out of the water. I want my relief pitchers to have uh, a contact rate below 70%, not above 70% at this point. But getting back to the slow guys, Clippert and Pettit, I mean, you know what you're getting. It's a safe floor. Uh, the holds, if you're in a hold seat, they're going to be there. Low whip, not the strikeouts. The strikeout upside is not there, but you're definitely getting a low whip out of Petit. And uh, like I said, the Nationals made his career way back when, uh, when he decided that he was just going to completely stop them. And, yeah, can you imagine? you That year, the Giants went on to win the World Series just because Petit was so damn dominant. What would have happened if, uh, if the Nationals would have won that extra inning game and then they went on to the World Series or – would you have seen a World Series championship uh, with Bryce Harper that year? They were a pretty damn good team that season too. I, I they were. I I thought of all the playoff losses, that was the worst one because they were so much better than the Giants. Yeah. Uh, but the entire team just stopped hitting then, and Brandon Belt became one like a all world god that series. Him and Pep uh, Sandoval. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Sandoval, for all the th- things that we make fun of him because of his over, you know, he's overweight and he's clumsy and his belts come fall off their loops or whatever. At one point, he was a very clutch hitter, dominant hitter. One of the few guys that you look at him as like, why does he swing at everything? And you, you look at the numbers, it's like, oh, that's why, because he's one of the few guys that can make contact. Uh, he's a good bad ball pitcher is what I'm trying to say here. Uh yeah. You know, hey, comes full circle, right? You know who was one of the better bad ball hitters of all time? Vlad Guerrero. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that he's Vlad Guerrero, but, I mean, it, it's kind of like the same approach. Like, if he sees it, he's yeah. swinging at it because he has that confidence. And he basically – I mean, he won a World Series MVP, right? Pablo Sandoval did back in the early 2010s. I, I believe so, yeah. I, I think it was against uh, the Tigers. He hit three home runs. One? I believe you're right. 2012. I mean, he hit three run, three home runs in that series against the Tigers. 
I think that's the one I'm, I'm thinking about. And uh, that's all that really mattered. And, and uh, he propelled the Giants to a, a championship. But getting back, we're talking about that World Series, uh, that uh, playoff series, because Yusmeiro, uh, yeah, I can't even say his name, Yusmeiro Petit dominated the Nationals that, that uh, playoff series, which honestly, Leon, I was watching that game. I think that game went to 18 innings. So basically, you, you got a double header out of that one. And I could not believe that he was just surviving all those innings against the Nationals. A really good Nationals team, too, by the way. I can't mention that enough. Uh, you know what? Me, Matt Williams, who won manager of the year that year. <laughs> uh, but Petit throwing hot garbage for five innings just, just frustrated me. Um, but would have never got there if he if Matt Williams doesn't take Jordan Zimmerman out in the ninth inning. Yeah. So, and, and then they go on to sign for T the next year and he stinks. <laughs> you can't beat him, join him, and then he joins him and he sucks anyway. Uh, yeah, I think the Nationals, they even last year, but it seems like Mike Rizzo did a good job uh, of putting that roster together. And then the bullpen. It's kind of similar to what the Cubs are going through right now. Actually, since Theo Epstein took over, it's like no matter who he gets, no matter which failed project he gets in there and to try to coach him up and fix him up, they just couldn't do a good bullpen. Last year, they found Daniel Hudson just kind of sitting there on, on, their, uh, on their bullpen, and he became the de facto closer to this day. I mean, Sean Doolittle, you're not even – he's not even – trusted enough in lit any situations, let alone in, in the ninth to close out the games, is the Daniel Hudson show, which is another guy I picked up in my my leagues as well. Because, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's kind of interesting how Mike Rizzo has also struggled to compile a bullpen, and that's all that's missing from him. Uh, from Because, again, very successful Nationals teams throughout the 2010s and even last year. I mean, it's only fitting that they won the 2019 World Series. And his big Achilles heel for the for his majority of the tenure was that he couldn't put a formidable bullpen out there for his uh, uh, World Series contending teams all those years. So, like again, Cubs are going through the same thing. So I know what you're going through. Yeah. Kimball's was done years ago. I don't I don't know what they saw in Kimball. And he's th- he still throws with high velocity. I think that's part of the allure is that he's throwing with high velocity. I know velocity isn't everything, but it's. But for a relief pitcher, it's like, you know, point A, that's like the first thing you look at. It's like, oh, wow, he's throwing 96 miles an hour. Let's see if we can coach him up, put some command on it. Unfortunately, the Cubs have a poor track record of that. Of, uh, And I tell this to all my fellow Cubs fans, like the, the Cubs have a, such a poor uh, track record of developing these failed starters and converting them into relief pitchers. I don't know why uh, Theo Epstein is supposed to uh, have this uh, – program and, and, and all of this, uh, you know, all these guidelines as to what to do with how to coach a prospect, how to show them the Cubs way, how to do this, you know, that put a, puts all this uh, emphasis on development. And it seems like when it comes to pitching, it's like, it's no, nowhere to be found, especially, especially at closers. And then you see a team like the, like the, uh, like the Padres. That's the example I always give. The Padres yeah. are loaded with guys who used to be starting pitchers. And I, I would gladly take the Padres, uh, bullpen over the Cubs right now in a heartbeat. I'll take the Padres the last five years over the uh, bullpen 
over the Cubs bullpen in the last five years. Maybe we, we maybe we don't trade Glaber Torres for our role as Chapman, and we had some of the <laughs> some of the guys the Padres have had over the last five, four or five seasons. So, uh, any last words from you, Leon? And I, before you do, thank you so much for showing up uh, at the last minute and uh, coming in as we're talking about relief. I mean, there's a method to my madness. Like we're talking about relief because you're coming in relief for Sean Flannery. Uh, so, why don't you go ahead and uh, throw the last uh, pitch for the last out? Go ahead. Uh, well, I'm glad to come in, get the get the save, uh, so to say. Um, but you know, I'm a big fan of your show. Thanks, man. Guys do a wonderful job, and uh, you know, just keep doing your thing, man. I, I real proud of you. Yeah, man. So likewise, I'm uh, glad. Listen, if you guys love basketball, check out Leon and Jacob uh, at the Step Back. They do a fantastic job. They They've just been recently named admins because uh, of their uh, attitude, effort. Like everybody, like we get a lot of requests, Leon. Hey, can I be an admin? If you need help, let me be an admin. Let me be. An admin. No, you gotta show us what you can do. You gotta, you gotta, not just tell me you want to be an admin, but you gotta show that you want to be an admin. And from the very beginning, Leon and Jacob had done an outstanding job in our basketball group. And once they told us that they wanted to do a podcast to be like the exclusive podcast of our basketball group. That's when I, that's when it hit on me. Like, Hey, these guys have to be admins and they pretty much taken over. Like I barely do anything there anymore. And uh, this it's basically Leon and Jacob, the Leon and Jacob show uh, over at ball is life. And uh, that's, that's what we're looking for. Make my life easier and you can become an admin. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Right. But no, seriously, yeah. you guys have been doing an outstanding job and I cannot sing your praises enough uh, because of that so thank you so much for your hard work and you and jacob um no it's no sweat man um you know just glad to glad to do it and glad i got my partner over there you know um but you guys do wonderful job throughout all the groups so it's just glad to be part of the team absolutely and we're glad to have you on the team and for that we uh say good night goodbye good afternoon enjoy the rest of your sunday and uh enjoy the rest of the baseball games out there see you all later